This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 20th of July 2022 at home in Wicklow. And it's an episode that jumps around a bit like a skipping like a skipping stone moving from one pond to another jumping over something landing some somewhere else. The general theme of the episode is resilience understood through a lens of self-care and understood in terms of what we allow to impact us, what we allow to affect us. And there are a couple of things that come up in this area that uh, a couple of, a couple of things that came up in hashtag blessed where the clear out dwells where the clear out is recorded and it came up around two female icons two icons of female beauty and sexuality uh power uh entertainment in the figures of Beyonce Knowles and Marilyn Monroe and so I I have a I have a bit of a look at them and what they projected and how they speak to men and women differently arguably and then I place my daughter and wife in that context and that leads to a bit of a discussion of divergent parenting styles um, and I wonder how much divergence a relationship can handle. So, yeah, there's uh, there's all of that in the mix this week. Resilience, self-care, caring, not caring, having enough and embracing the idea of a personal force field, something we can activate when we need to mind ourselves a bit more. Okay, that's what you've got to look forward to. So I'll uh, I'll see you there around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. Hi, my name is Dara Clear, and you're listening to the Clear Out. Welcome, welcome to it. How the hell are you today? How are you? in this moment what's impacting you what's pressing down on you what are you feeling <laughs> i'm not asking you what are you know, what are your feelings but what what is reaching you spinning you off your natural trajectory maybe maybe good things maybe nice things maybe midsummer things now i know strictly speaking midsummer was about a month ago almost to the day but because of this little heat wave this ether wave that we have been enjoying on the emerald isle it's hard not to think of this as peak 
mid true summer in terms of sunshine and heat and light and the desire for cool things and cool water and shade and the feeling of warm air on your skin that's nice very nice i was teaching tai chi a couple of hours ago and uh, we take a moment at the start of the class because i teach outdoors i teach in the garden we take a moment just to let the senses sense let the ears hear what they can hear let the body feel what it can feel and yeah not so much tasting in that moment <laughs> but um it's nice and it's nice to go oh it's july in ireland and it's a really beautiful day uh, i was lucky enough to actually get in the sea this morning i had a reason to head to that part of the county and uh, I took took advantage and had a lovely a lovely swim this morning. Um, I may even end up in the sea a bit further north later on this afternoon. I've got to take my daughter to uh, to camp, as they like to say. Yeah, it's gymnastics camp. It's all happening. It's all happening. The vault, the rings, perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, she's having a great time and. Um, my turn to do the driving so yes anyway this little preamble this little preamble around the idea of being affected by things it hasn't come from nowhere little little thoughts have been percolating i had a friend to visit recently a couple of weeks ago good old shane was here with his wife and children they were visiting from san francisco shane is a, a regular listener to the pod hi shane how are you and shane was asking me a very simple question about the podcast he's like how do you uh <laughs> how do you come up with stuff each week i think he said he, he said he, he felt that he would run out of material very quickly and I'm sure I know for a fact that uh, I'm repetitive in terms of certain themes that I return to and certain areas of interest to me are certainly a repeated feature, i.e. movies. Uh, last week, of course, I was discussing Betty Blue and Vertigo. A couple of points, actually, in that area. Um, I... I, I I didn't get to sort of expand a bit more on the depiction of crazy love um, because really there was a difference in those two movies in terms of how male crazy love was depicted as opposed to female crazy love and female crazy love ended really badly in Betty Blue um, tragically and terminally. But in Vertigo, James Stewart is the, he's the equivalent of Beatrice Dahl's Betty Blue in that he's the one who becomes obsessed and depressed and hovers around that 
catatonia, um, the unfeeling, the disassociation, the lost in the past. Uh, but, and this is maybe where we can, and I, I'm not going to really revisit it in any detail, but this is where you can get into the misogynistic territory. Because when James Stewart sort of pulls out of his funk and discovers Kim Novak anew and remodels her to resemble the original woman he fell in love with. Uh, and then he realizes he's been duped. He uh, he takes her to the top of the bell tower where he'd lost the first version of her. And of course it ends with her. <laughs> her. He He's not the victim in the end of his crazy love. She is. And she gets a fright when a nun emerges rather ominously from the shadows and she panics and backs out the window and falls to her death. And of course that made me think of Nick Rogue's Don't Look Now from, oh, I want to say early 70s. That was Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie and how that movie terrifyingly ends in Venice with um, a very malign figure emerging from the shadows to uh, attack Donald Sutherland's grieving father. That film is um, amazing, brilliant, um, has a has a much talked about sex scene between Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. One of those, did they actually do it conversations. Brilliantly shot um, by Nicholas Rogue. Um, but yeah, an amazingly disturbing and unsettling movie. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was that was one thing I wanted to quickly revisit about uh, what I spoke about in last week's episode. I also wanted to mention now I did mention it in a social media um, a video I put up on social media this week to talk about that episode. But it occurred to me rewatching Vertigo how Kim Novak her look her look. Uh, when we first meet her, that sort of uh, peroxide blonde hair pulled back over the head, um, the the dark eyebrows, the blue eyes. It it's amazing how evocative um, Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct is of that Kim Novak iteration, and I just found myself going, "Oh wow!" So when uh, it was Paul Verhoeven, wasn't it, who directed Basic Instinct? Um, when that was such a huge, um, a huge movie in terms of like the, the the peak, perhaps, of the erotic thriller, and Sharon Stone was just so palpably sexual and sex positive and aggressively sexual and sort of overwhelming everything with her her physical presence and her sexual energy and her beauty um, and completely cowing all the men around her to quite comic effect at times um, and Michael Douglas <laughs> Michael Douglas what do you make of that guy like I mean he was really he was really flexing at that time and yeah I don't know <laughs> he was leaning hard into his own virility and sexuality but uh, but in any case, um, Sharon Stone, her character was Catherine Trammell, if I recall correctly, uh, a writer of kind of sex crime thrillers in the in that movie, um, and 
yeah, certainly her look. Maybe we would never have had it if we hadn't had Kim Novak the way she was presented in uh, in Vertigo. So there you go. Go and do a go and do a little Kim Novak versus Sharon Stone. Kim Novak in Vertigo versus Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct comparison. Just do a little uh, Google search. I know I'm not the first person to uh, to have that thought, but there you go. Um, so anyway, the segue, the segue from that. My friend had been asking me uh, how I come up with stuff, how I come up with material each week, and certainly at the moment because I'm pretty I'm pretty busy uh, with this work I have on at the moment, and the the window the window to do the podcast it's 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 really coming it's only coming along once a week usually the day before i put the episode out and i basically have to sit down and produce uh the episode on the on the hoof on the fly and i've often done this uh as i've i have as i have confessed in previous episodes so i often sit down this way and i just have a one or two things floating around my uh my brain and i think no i can string together some stuff around that and it's a bit chancy it's a bit seat of the pants kind of stuff but it's also uh born of necessity now that's grand you can say well that's fine but that maybe i still wouldn't be able to do it the idea that i cling on to or the the the, the act of faith that that I place at the heart of this experience. One part of it, <laughs> one part of the act of faith is that someone's listening, which is, uh, there's there's no real guarantee. Um, it's funny, I was listening to Mark Maron, uh, to whom I've referred before. Mark Maron was interviewing another stand-up comedian, Orny Adams, uh, who achieved a moment of sort of notoriety about 20 years ago there was a documentary about jerry seinfeld um who was huge at the time um and they made a documentary about his life as a stand-up comedian and the there was a support comedian who was traveling around with him and it was this guy orny adams but the the the, the, the makers of the documentary sort of tweaked what they what coverage they showed of him and tweaked what sound bites they got from him to make him come across as extraordinarily obnoxious and arrogant and it kind of torpedoed his his career but he now has a podcast himself um and he was just saying like making that same comment about sitting in a, a studio or at, at his home talking into the microphone with the assumption that there's there's someone listening uh, that is that is the first act of faith uh to go on this journey as if one is speaking to someone else who is present when in actual fact there is no one present but me the other part of this act of faith is and i think i've referred to this before is trusting that the receptive and connective parts of my brain will work in in harmony will have an exchange so through the week 
uh, maybe not always on a conscious level, the receptive part of my brain is is open to receiving ideas, little nuggets, little kernels. Uh, and then the connective, connecting part of my brain starts jumping across the, nug- the nugget or the kernel and going, okay, what? where can that lead? Where can that go? And I've cultivated this sort of, uh, I don't want to call it a practice because it sounds quite you know prescriptive but cultivated the the openness to that idea and my own receptivity and malleability i suppose to to going into that space and and i don't know and making butter <laughs> i don't know why that came in my head churning 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 the butter making a product milking making something uh, and I've say I did that over the years I did that over many many years as a teacher and often as a teacher whether I'm teaching you know teaching because I still teach martial arts I'll still be in that place of what's in front of me what occurs now what am I getting off these people that I'm trying to teach what direction can we go with with what I've been given and, and look to be honest maybe that's a bit of a a bit of an acting impulse you know to receive and return maybe it's a tennis impulse you serve i serve back um but yeah but that's the um that's often the underlying uh dynamic the underlying intellectual dynamic that i use to to propel the the the, the flow of thoughts um sometimes on yeah as i'm sitting here speaking so that is a long-winded answer because often that's my favorite kind to my friend's question to shane's question how do you do it uh and that none of this none of this is to try to ennoble or elevate what i'm doing here none of it is to make false claims about the the merits or the worth or the impact of the podcast as far as I'm concerned, it's still very much a nascent thing, uh, even though it's a, over a year old. It's a slow build. It's a slow build. This uh, this thing, I have no idea, no idea where it's where it's going to go, where it's going to end. If it will end, some of you are praying. You're saying, "Because can it not end now? <laughs> can it not, please, dear Jesus? Could it not end now?" Anyway, what do you allow to affect you? And that's a very specific choice of words. What do you allow to affect you? Because I think we have a certain amount of agency in terms of what we allow to penetrate us, in terms of what we allow to get past the armour to get past the guard. Um, there is, I think by implication there, a certain vigilance that perhaps we need to need to apply or engage, switch on, activate. Uh, and that maybe veers into a certain area of self-knowledge and a certain area of 
awareness of self insight maybe even mindfulness and i don't mean mindfulness in terms of the being present mindfulness and maybe mindfulness is one again one of those words that's somewhat overused and overkilled by many many sort of positivity advocates and positive psychology advocates and wellness warriors of whom i may be one um although you know i try to you know that i try to uh qualify uh what i'm what i'm doing here this idea of of a certain type of wellness advocacy that is grounded in trying to keep things real and not get too po-faced um and not get too uber positive um but yeah the the idea then that a certain amount of awareness of what troubles us or disturbs us or affects us that's i think that's a good thing in fact i'll go even further and i th- and say i think it's an excellent thing to know that uh, that kind of thing doesn't make me feel good therefore i will either what avoid it or when i know i'm going to be in proximity uh in you know in the proximity of that thing i will bring an extra level of awareness and self-care so i can mind myself and step carefully or switch into a different mode that will allow me to proceed through that experience with greater serenity and greater self-control and a greater feeling of of power i suppose because in a way that's how i think about it when you're knocked when you're shaken when something hits you in a certain place it's it's a compromise it's a compromise of your power it's um I mean, you could say it's a, it, it, it's taking your power. Uh, certainly, it's bursting your bubble to a certain degree. Now, I know when we say, use that phrase to burst one's bubble, we're typically typically talking about a certain illusion or del- delusion uh, or a false belief um, that someone has has shattered. Uh, when they're taken brought back down to earth i suppose but i'm thinking more when i use that phrase there is perhaps a and maybe bubble is not maybe it's it's too associated with the 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 normal use of, of that phrase but there is i like the idea that we have a a protective protective shield that we can engage that's not it's actually not defensive it's not about going into hiding it's not about taking on a a fetal position or uh, a safety pre-crash landing position it's it's about walking around 
with a, a certain force field around us, a certain insulation that allows us to be present, but allows us to have a sense of distance, a sense of emotional, psychological, and sure, maybe physical distance between us and the things that might harm us. And so it's a little bit, it's a little bit like we're within ourselves and being quite observant of what's happening around us. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's something that's quite attainable. Um, and maybe it doesn't sound particularly spontaneous. Maybe it doesn't sound particularly open. But then my argument is it's not like you're going around like that all the time. It's only when you find yourself maybe in unfamiliar situations. It's only when you find yourself around people that you don't entirely feel comfortable with. It's only perhaps when you realize, damn, I'm really not in good form at the moment and I'm feeling pretty anxious or I'm feeling pretty vulnerable. I'm feeling pretty exposed and I'm not feeling at all resilient. So maybe I need to be more self-protecting. Maybe I need to engage the, the, engage the force field and protect myself. Because here's the question. If you don't do it, who else will? you see how I left that hanging there? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you ruminate on, on that for a moment. If you don't protect yourself, if you don't take care of yourself, who else will? Now I know, of course, there are people out there who are great natural caregivers. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not in everybody's personality. Not everybody wants to give care. A lot of people just want to be cared for. Do you know what you are? <laughs> I'm really, I'm going to mess with your head. Are you a caregiver? Are, are, or are you the person who wants to be cared for? I remember years ago, years ago when I was in acting school in England and I was going out with uh, a girl from the acting school we were very much in love. We were young and in love and it was a passionate, a passionate affair. A little bit of a, there was a bit of crazy love, a little bit of crazy love there. Um, and I think I was the crazy one because to an insecure young man, love can be a very scary thing. Love can be a very threatening energy. The energy that can expose you in ways you don't want to be exposed open up all those raw wounds uh more on that another time perhaps um but anyway i remember being uh being with my girlfriend at the time and there was a lovely uh, a lovely man who was associated with the acting school and used to help out with um did he did he manage the the lighting desk or the light and sound when we were doing shows um a really nice uh, lovely, lovely English gentleman, really. I mean, just a very gentlemanly kind of guy and a lovely way about him. Had a lot of natural warmth and humour and was very attached to to those of us in the in the acting school. But anyway, just, just you know, after I've, after I've sung his praises, I'm going to stick a knife in him now. Um, I remember 
my girlfriend and I were with him. Uh, we were in the the gardens near Exeter Cathedral because that's where I went to acting school, not the cathedral, Exeter. And my girlfriend, I don't know, she, she, I don't know if she reached out to me or she made some comment about taking care of me. And this guy, I'm going to name him Brian. <laughs> this guy said, don't you mother him. Don't you be a mother to him. He'll be fine. He'll look after himself. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, step off, old man. <laughs> I want this. I want this girl to take care of me. Thanks very much. Uh, I need, I need her care. I need the, 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 the umbrella of her love, her shelter, her care. Um, I didn't say any of that. I just was like, oh my God, don't you mess with this relationship, buster. Anyway, good old Brian. Uh, I've lost contact with him now. I used to send him, a, send him a Christmas card for many years. He and his wife. Oh, for, I've forgotten her name. Was it Margaret? Maybe. Anyway, there you go. Um, so, what? <laughs> yes, carer. Are you someone who gives care? Or are you someone who takes it? Uh, we're back in the kind of the drain and radiator uh, area, perhaps. But look, the the area really that I'm drifting towards. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna move I'm gonna move away from specifically talking about the 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 idea of care. Re- you know, receiving the care of others. I mean, the idea then of you know caring for ourselves. I think this idea of care is very connected to resilience and i'm a big big believer in resilience being a core a core aspect of of being well and a core aspect of taking care of oneself um and minding oneself uh resilience because resilience is ultimately connected to the idea of survivability and being able to survive things and being able to tough it out when required um but i believe if you incorporate in a very in a very practical way if you incorporate the idea of care and self-care into your conception of resilience that it will enable you to survive things better it will enable you to make better decisions when you are veering into areas of vulnerability when you're veering into areas uh, of of threat of danger uh and i don't know i mean and, and that that that's that's not for me to say what that feels like to you or what that is to you because that could be a million different things depending on the individual um it could be it, it could be so many different things it could be something to do with social anxiety it could be something to do with intimacy it could be something to do with i mean in, in very obvious ways it could be something to do with trauma traumatic memories it could be something to do with unresolved stuff um 
there are you know there, there, there could be a million different triggers there could be a million different things that would set you off or set you back or set you down and again if if you're willing to face into yourself and cultivate that awareness and cultivate that self-knowledge that isn't about self-absorption that isn't about narcissism or egotism or being egocentric but simply to view oneself objectively and go oh yeah i don't i don't do well in that situation how can i how can i adapt what adaptation can i make that's going to make me more powerful in that situation or what adaptation can I make that's going to make me feel safer and more comfortable in that situation? Um, I found myself I found myself wondering about this recently in terms of in terms of getting older, um, not necessarily myself getting older, but in general, um, as as we as we age, uh, do we become more or less? resilient now i wonder if there's a version of simply a version of simply not caring anymore so here we are with care again and this idea of i just don't care about stuff in life and therefore i'm not going to let it affect me in a way that maybe when we're younger there's a more earnest engagement with things and life and stuff and we can we can import many things with enormous seriousness uh things that we decide no this is a real serious thing that we need to engage with and it matters and there's a a deep a deep level of engagement a deep level of energetic commitment commitment to to making sense of things uh i i mean i i don't know i i definitely have a, a bit of that in me i you know you, you know i have a bit of the, the the earnestness and a bit of the sincerity and then i just catch myself and go, oh, for god's sake would you stop you silly idiot shut up <laughs> um but i do wonder as we as we get older is is life more difficult because the older we get the more the more we have to deal with the more of those shakespearean slings and arrows um come our way and does it wear us down does it make us brittle or do we actually breathe into it and go this is this is the way it's going to go. The longer I'm around, the more I'm going to see. The longer I'm around, the more I'm going to experience. The longer I'm around, the more I'm going to lose, perhaps. Um, now, this is not 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 to get too morbid or or, or sad um, or sentimental, but this is very um, this is a very kind of fresh topic in hashtag blessed because my my wife just lost uh an aunt um in the last in the last 24 hours actually 
um, and she was elderly and my my wife was very devoted to her and they were very close and a lovely relationship and I remember my first time meeting her um, and my wife's delight to, to introduce me to her aunt um, in, this was back in this was in Australia uh, over 20 years ago um, and yeah she um, and, I, and I know this is not a unique experience a lot of elderly people coming to the end of their lives were very very negatively affected by the pandemic in terms of what what got cut off from them and what they were no longer allowed to do permitted to do able to do there was a great uh, constriction um, in terms of movement and in terms of natural socialization and social connection um, and access to loved ones and I think certainly in the case of my wife's aunt the last few years um, and, the, and the pandemic years were particularly particularly wearing and wearying on her and it seems that she just had enough um, and you know, even the years leading up to the pandemic um, she lost her 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 husband and there was a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that went on and to, to you know in my experience over you know my experiences of her were always just very positive she was just a very warm vivacious woman um and obviously i met her later in life but she had uh you could tell this is someone who had lived a good life uh, on, on certain levels i mean i know more of her backstory than i won't it would be inappropriate to, to, to share here it was it was complex and she she experienced a lot um but she had a very dedicated sister in my uh, my wife's mother um and some very good people around her um so yeah it's very very sad to 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 note her her passing um because she had quite a quite a special energy and certainly a very special place in my my wife's heart but in 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 terms of the in terms of what i'm talking about um yeah she had seemed she seemed to have just reached a point and i'm i'm talking about in the last week where she was like you know what i'm done i'm done and i've had enough and uh i'm i'm at peace with this decision and i'll see you later and basically relinquished that appetite for for continuing um and i think i think that's um you know she 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 was well within her rights um and certainly the last couple of years wouldn't have helped and so i suppose there's a the the, the 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 connective tissue here is is the idea of reaching a point where you just don't care um now again this is not to impugn um the 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 the, the departed aunt at all but i suppose 
it makes sense if you reach a certain age if you reach her age um it can kind of fit and it's not it's you know it's certainly um uh, a way of thinking or a decision making process that i've encountered before in older people who've kind of gone i've, I've seen it all I, I don't need to see any more and this quality of life i'm just bored i'm happy to go i'm happy to go and wish me well i wish you well i love you goodbye uh that i think has a sort of a, a rationale that is um is easy to grasp and i don't find it confronting or challenging um there is a sadness of course to to, to see anybody that you care about go um but i think um there is if you're younger and there's a bit more you know quite a bit more life to be lived not caring you don't want it to be the not caring that goes so far um you know that goes so far that it becomes self-neglect uh because that of course is not healthy or healthful um so there's a there's an area of not caring that is i actually don't need to carry this stuff anymore because it's too much and it's not actually adding to my my life it's not adding it's not adding to to my wellness it's not adding to my my sense of my sense of power or my sense of capability um and i know i know in a previous episode uh, i think the episode where i was talking about um where i was talking about race and racism and the the white replacement theory uh i think in that episode i referred to a a former teaching colleague of mine in Melbourne and uh, an older American woman. Uh, we had a very uh, fractious, uh, you know, an affectionately fractious relationship, politically um, and spiritually maybe quite different. But I remember we were talking about um, racism and she uh, she was just very sort of blasé about the, the sort of racism debates that were raging at the time. Um, think i refer to a, a caricature of serena williams the uh, black tennis player that appeared in an in an australian newspaper and a lot of people took exception to how she was depicted in sort of racially in a racially caricaturized way um and this colleague of mine was just rolling her eyes like i've seen it all before i'm not interested i've kind of, kind of been there and done that I was greatly exercised by it myself and felt very um, fired up by it. And uh, she seemed to take great delight <laughs> in not being of the same mind at this stage in her life. Uh, anyway, anyway, listen, it's funny. There's a couple of things that cropped up in hashtag blessed this week, apart from the, uh, the loss that we've just suffered. And, this is going to take us into it, 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 I, I'm, I'm still going to place it in this context of resilience and what affects us and what impacts us or penetrates the, the, the armor, penetrates the, the feeling of the, the illusion, <laughs> the illusion of well-being. And this also also is going to touch on the area of relationships and and parenting 
and parenting approaches and points of divergence. So um, this is where I'm going to stay, I think, for the, uh, the remainder of the episode. So into the house came the other day with me. <laughs> That's a lovely sentence structure, isn't it? Into the house with me came the other day. The Sunday Times Culture magazine. And the image on the front of the Sunday Times Culture magazine is Beyonce. Beyonce, the African-American singer, dancer, music, power, mogul, um, businesswoman, icon, whatever you want to call her. It's a picture of Beyonce sitting on a, it's like a crystal horse or a, um, yeah, some sort of translucent, maybe transparent horse that looks like it could be made of glass and looks like it has lightning flashes or lights inside it. And Beyonce is sitting astride this horse on what looks like a crystal saddle. And she looks imperious and proud and strong. And she is naked apart from some... I I mean, I I can't really describe it as underwear, but some sort of jewellery... some sort of jewellery scaffolding that is uh, stuck and stuck to and covering her her breasts and something else that is kind of crowning sorry crowning her her rear end and she's got high heels on as well and so she has she's sitting across she's sitting on the horse she's not sitting side saddle but she's kind of twisting her body to face the camera. So she has one hand resting on the horse's mane and one hand resting on the horse's back. And what were the reactions? Well, my reaction was, Jesus. <laughs> like a like a little Irish man going, Jesus, would you look at that? Look at, uh, look at Beyonce. What's, what's, what's she up to now? Look at the state of her. Um, God, she's a she's a mad one. She's always up to something, isn't she? Uh, that was sort of my my initial reaction, kind of bemused um, and struck, I suppose, as ever by by the by 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 her physical beauty or by her her statuesque figure, um, and certainly. I can remember seeing Beyonce in in an Austin Powers movie of all things, Austin Powers Gold Member, and she was sort of a a throwback to the type of black exploitation characters that maybe someone like Pam Greer would have played in the in the seventies, um, like uh, like Foxy Brown, wasn't it? And I remember seeing seeing Beyonce in that movie and I mean I guess that's 20 years ago now and I remember thinking my god she is a beautiful woman with an amazing smile and laugh and, and this energy uh, I, I, I thought she was great now I know I, I think she's not very well loved for that performance um, but I, I, I'm not sure if I've revisited that movie since 
um, you know, the ridiculous Austin Powers spoof movies, spy spoof movies that were the the brainchild of Mike Myers, the comic, the Canadian comic actor. Um, so I suppose, like any of us, we <laughs> someone someone has that impact on us, just that that physical. The physical response, the animal response, where you go, oh wow, yeah, pretty, how nice, how lovely. Certain figures stay stay on our radar, um, and we probably have, I don't know, I don't know how many, how many, how many, how many figures like that do you think we have in our life in our lifetime? Um, I know you're saying, well, the, or my lifetime isn't over yet. I'm still, I'm still counting. Um, I certainly, as as a as a young guy, I'm talking teen teen years. I I wasn't afraid to put my little pin up posters on the wall of various actors, actresses, musicians, singers, whoever people I thought looked what looked good, looked sexy, looked cool, um, and my my choices were were very much reflective of the times i can i can i can picture in my mind pinups of madonna uh annie lennox david bowie um bruce willis uh when i when i thought he was you know the funniest thing when he was in moonlighting on tv before he kind of broke out as an action star um and many many other figures adorned my walls i know i had a picture of elvis at one point uh, I had a picture of Adam Ant. <laughs> um, there was something, I suppose there was something about the theatricality of those posed shots that appealed to the, appealed to the, 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 the actor, the, the, the aspiring actor, the, the hidden actor inside me. Um, and something about just the glamour and, and just looking at, at beautiful people. I guess that was in the mix as well. Um, I remember having a wall in one of my uh, one of the places I lived when I was in university, and I had a load of those kind of pictures up. Usually, just cut out from magazines of various faces. At that stage, it was probably predominantly beautiful women, um, models, actresses, etc. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember this uh, young woman I knew. She was in the circle, and she was having she was in the group of friends and she was there and she took a very dim view of my wall covered these these posters of beautiful women and she was uh she made a a damning assessment of my character and was very troubled by by my inclinations so um i don't know that's uh you know i'll, I'll let I'll, I'll let you make of that what you will but um anyway Beyonce so I'm looking at I'm looking at this image now I've got the magazine in my hand I'm looking at it and the there's her name is there written underneath Beyonce and the the subheading is she's back to reinvent music again now musically not much she's done in recent years has done anything for me I'd struggle I'd struggle to name a Beyonce song and yet she stayed she has stayed uh in my kind of consciousness she had that famous Coachella that big was a music festival in the states Coachella um and she performed at it a few years ago I think it was 
maybe 2019 and it she did this whole thing that was meant to be paying tribute to black universities and black marching bands in black universities in in america and maybe it's more of a a southern states thing because she's uh she's from texas i think beyonce um and then there was a documentary made about it and that was pretty pretty impressive a very impressive show an amazing kind of spectacle and seeing the work she puts in very interesting but i tell you one thing she won't do you're not really getting the fly on the wall thing because like a lot of modern uh, iconic performers everything is controlled uh now that said i believe the jennifer lopez jennifer lopez documentary on netflix is is, is meant to be very good and, and quite revealing and shows a certain kind of vulnerability but um this is the thing with beyonce now when i see her i think black power black pride um you know african-american female power and icon and certainly she's an enormously influential and resonant figure to many many people uh and from a distance i kind of have an awareness of that and i'm sort of interested to see what she does um and that's grand okay so that was my reaction um a lot of that stuff was in my head look at beyonce there she is on the horse jesus what's she up to also oh well beyonce you know she's still pretty stunning looking um and that was kind of the last i thought of it but then my wife saw the same cover and was troubled by it and troubled by there's something problematic she she, i think my, my wife finds something problematic about Beyonce and I think I think the um the version of kind of femininity and womanhood and um uh, the sort of sexualized version of that that Beyonce trades on a lot in her her public image and it's definitely it's definitely I think some of my wife's feelings are very much connected to being a mother and very much connected to us being the parents of a daughter and what images of femininity and womanhood that our daughter is being exposed to and so my wife made a comment like oh great there it is on the table for anyone to see um now i my feeling would be and this is maybe where you kind of go well yeah well you're a guy and you're going to look at her a certain way but as a woman you're going to look at her a different way but my approach with our daughter i suppose if she if she saw that image um would be to just talk to her about it and see what my daughter's perspective on it is um and then respond in a way that i hope is is not creating uh an area of concern or maybe trying to point out the sort of the artificiality of of the image and the presentation and and this you know this came up this came up a few weeks ago because my daughter and i were at home one night my wife was out gigging and we okay this is this this basic this is basically the conversation that happened um we were talking about for some you know kids and whatever the conversation was about colors and what colors are nice and what colors are not nice something came up and my daughter said oh yeah well brown isn't a nice color 
and I said, are you sure about that? And I said, what about, <laughs> and I said, what about black people? You know, they've got brown skin. Um, is that not beautiful? Can that not be beautiful? And I said, like, what about people like Beyonce or people like Bruno Mars? And my daughter was like, I don't think I've seen Bruno Mars. And I said, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a good looking black guy. Um, what about someone like, uh, you know, and I said, I, I said, what about someone like Michael Jackson? Um, and so we went on this little YouTube uh, odyssey, uh, bringing up videos, music videos, because I was going like, you know, these people, you know, because I, I think I was trying to go, you know, you, you know, Beyonce and Bruno Mars, you couldn't have them or you couldn't have somebody like Justin Timberlake. Their kind of music, their kind of choreography, their kind of uh, video style presence. You couldn't have any of them if we hadn't had Michael Jackson. And so I was giving my daughter a little sort of music history lesson. Um, and again, you can kind of go into that territory of art versus artist. Of course, Michael Jackson had a very controversial uh, part of his story. Um, ultimately, I just see Michael Jackson as a very tragic figure, but his talent was undeniable, um, in my opinion. And those songs, particularly um, his work from those three albums, Off the Wall, Thriller and Bad, I think they all stand up really, really well. I mean, he did a lot more after that, but my interest had kind of had moved on to other artists at that stage. Sorry, taking a quick drink there. I just had a sort of a, a hay fever attack a few moments ago. Um, but in any case, we were looking at these different music videos, some of Michael Jackson's back catalogue, some Bruno Mars, some Beyonce. And I was trying to find some Beyonce songs that I knew and I thought my daughter would like. But then she, you know, as a performer, and like she's played with that image and why wouldn't she? And I'm not judging it. But it's, um, it is a sort of a, a, a very sexualized presentation of, of who she is. Um, and she, I suppose she, God, I mean, I'm just, I'm hesitating here because I just sound like this bloody, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to not objectify her. Um, and yet she is using her body as part of what she presents and what she sells um and she is uh is 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 striking i think physically and certainly you know my daughter would comment she and my daughter would say oh you know look at her boobs (laughs) and i'm going i am (laughs) but yeah, so I try to kind of go, well, look, she's performing because it's a video and there's a story that goes with the song. And then I'm kind of going, yeah, there's part of me that's going, maybe we don't need to be looking at this right now. Maybe my daughter doesn't need to have these images embedded in her brain. And, you know, for her to make an association with, okay, well, that's what that's what being cool and, and feminine is. Now, part of being cool and feminine is that, and particularly if you're a bloody performer or a singer or you're someone who, who has as I believe Beyonce has, who has kind of sort of um, volunteered and aggressively pursued carrying a certain mantle of black female identity and black female, black American female kind of brilliance and power and exuberance and celebration. Um, Now, I'm being very positive in that appraisal. I think my wife finds that maybe 
it's there's a you know the 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 machine that there's a cynical calculated side and maybe that there's a clash between a certain type of feminism that Beyonce ostensibly tries to own that that clashes against the way she presents herself physically and the 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 sexualization of herself as the Beyonce product and that maybe that I, I, I think my wife struggles with that aspect of it and of course because my wife's a musician yeah we'd also be both also struggling go well maybe the songs aren't that good or haven't been that good for quite some time not that I've been listening closely um, but anyway that was that right so there was the Beyonce thing and then there's a sort of a divergence in the parenting approach because my approach would be sure let's have a look at it let's talk about it let's see what comes up um and my wife's instinct would be you know what i just don't want our daughter to be looking at that um because yeah i mean i guess if you take it back if this wasn't 2022 that image would be shocking or extremely um sexually frank and titillating if you're going you know if this was 30 years ago perhaps um, you know but, but I kind of go well is she doing anything different you know to Madonna for example um, but on this she's sort of a, a black and supremely proud and unapologetic Lady Godiva type figure anyway that has to be discussed with my wife at another time now second thing that came up in hashtag blessed just in the last last 24 hours Yesterday evening, after dinner, we have a the, the 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 summer routine is. I said I told my daughter at the start of her summer holidays that every other night could be a movie night if she wants to watch a movie and stay up a bit later. It can be every second night, and then every other night she goes to bed at her more normal time, and she has just locked in that offer, that deal, and is holding me to it. <laughs> regardless of what else is going on um, and last night after dinner she said is there an old movie that we could watch that would be appropriate for me and she said something like maybe Singing in the Rain and I said well look you know, if we watch a musical it's going to be pretty long because those musicals are and she said oh no it doesn't have to be a musical and I said well I'll have a look and see what I've got and in the end I uh I was looking through the uh, the DVDs and looking through some stuff I had on my computer and in the end I went for Some Like It Hot which is from 1959 and it's the if you know movies and you like movies you won't need any explanation but just to remind you Some Like It Hot is the Billy Wilder directed comedy with Marilyn Monroe Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon uh, and co-written with Billy Wilder's um, collaborator uh, IAL Diamond I, I, I forgot I meant to look up what the IAL stands for but Billy Wilder um, a great a great American director of the sort of uh, the silver age the sort of you know the, the, the 50s 50s and 60s uh, responsible for movies like Sunset Boulevard uh, the apartment um, and maybe his most maybe his most successful um, and most accessible comedy Some Like It Hot 
which is, takes place in the Prohibition era. And Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon are two musicians who have to go on the run after witnessing the St. Valentine's Day massacre. And they're on the run from the Chicago mob. And the only way to get out of Chicago is to dress up as women and join a all-girl group and travel to Florida. And, of course, Marilyn, Mon- Marilyn Monroe is the uh, the singer. And it has to be said, for all Marilyn Monroe's talents, um, singing wasn't really one of them. Certainly not uh, her renditions of the few songs she does in Some Like It Hot. But she was, in my opinion, a great natural comedian uh and very funny and okay it's a type it's it's the dits it's the sexy dits but one thing you cannot deny about marilyn monroe is how photogenic she was and how the camera loved her and she pops and like in that group the girl group that the guys uh hook up with in the movie there's a lot of very you know attractive women they're nearly all blonde in fact tony curtis is the only brunette in the uh in the troupe um but it's it's a it's yeah and amazingly my daughter really liked it i was i was delighted because sometimes i i try these things and she's like nah but my wife came out and she's like what are you watching some like it hot are you serious (laughs) and i'm like it's it's okay I said it's all in the writing it's all in the humour there's nothing too gratuitous or explicit believe me it's okay and my wife was kind of passing through a couple of times during the movie and at one point she passed through and Marilyn Monroe was there on the screen and front and centre and my wife just said oh that poor poor woman Um, and again there's this sort of maybe there's this male female gaze uh issue happening here um because of course i've always responded in a very straight male way to marilyn monroe's charms um and of course you're just talking about the the iconic images of marilyn monroe from her her movie career in hollywood um and you know movies like some like it hot uh or movies like the seven year itch and certainly one of my favorite movies of hers um and it's a really it's 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 i think it's it's a great movie that stands up to to watching again is the misfits uh one of john houston's movies that had montgomery clift and clark gable uh eli wallach and thelma ritter i think is in it as well um i know i referred to that movie before when i was talking about bridges um but yeah Marilyn Monroe and it's interesting I'm reading um, I'm reading a James Elroy novel at the moment American tabloid I want to say and it's set around that time the rise of the Kennedys um, and the rise also of J. Edgar Hoover um, Howard Hughes is in the mix and I'm sure I haven't come across her yet but I'm sure I'm expecting Marilyn Monroe to to feature at some point because she had that relationship, that history with the Kennedy brothers. Um, But I guess my mother again had... My mother, oh my God, does it get any more Freudian? Holy shit. (laughs) My wife. My daughter's mother, okay? I don't think I'll ever lift that one down. But my wife's 
comments um, about Marilyn Monroe. Just that, that, that one comment, that poor, poor woman. It did. It did actually resonate. It did kind of strike me. And I was going, okay, yeah, what, what, what do we see? And what, what impacts us? And so I see Marilyn Monroe and being the movie lover, being the movie fan from a young age, I still go, oh, Marilyn Monroe, that iconic screen presence. And I'm not dwelling on the the tragic backstory. I'm not dwelling on how she ended. I'm not dwelling on the 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 murky circumstances of her death. I'm not dwelling on uh, what she had to deal with, with becoming the the ultimate sex symbol of, of that time. Um, and how she became such an iconic figure of blonde, white, female sexuality. Um, I'm I'm just going. There she is in that movie with those two actors that I always really liked, Jack Lemmon. Oh my God, so unbelievably funny as uh, you know, embrace. I mean, it 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 it's quite a transgressive movie actually, and so well written and so clever. Um, and pointing up the, the the battle of the sexes, and the guys going, "Ah, yeah, okay, so this is this is what women deal with. It doesn't matter if you're good looking or not. You're getting, um, you know, you're getting grabbed on the ass. You're getting flirted with. Men are coming on to you all the time. Um, and it, really, it's it's the movie is pointing up those those kind of hypocrisies and pointing up the sexism, without." without overdoing it without giving us a, a lecture uh, a lesson um and then brilliant you know the, the the roles are brilliantly played by by tony curtis and jack lemon and jack lemon going on this journey of being in drag and having a a, a millionaire come on to him the 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 hilarious looking joe e brown um and jack lemon being like irritated but then just getting caught up in the in the act and enjoying being romanced and getting engaged um and just such a such an agile comic performance by jack lemon he he he's so so good and one of a very very a very few actors who could who was as comfortable playing comedy as a serious drama um and tony curtis does a great job as well particularly when he adopts the alter ego of a, a cary grant accented oil magnate and seduces Marilyn Monroe by pretending he has um, fundamentally an atrophied libido and you know he's you know he, he pretends he's completely unresponsive to female passion and Marilyn Monroe just keeps giving it her best shot <laughs> until he goes yes I think I'm feeling something now um, it's great and anyway my daughter and I really enjoyed it but because I take my wife seriously and respect, um, you know, I want to hear what she has to say. We have then these two iconic figures of, of female entertainment, of female beauty um, in Beyonce and Marilyn Monroe, both very tied up in uh, images of female sexuality as well. And my thing is okay it's you know let's 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 be let, let's look and take them at, at face value um and i'm not going to overload my my daughter with context whereas my wife would be a lot more cautious in that area and 
I do take that seriously and I think, okay, well, this is a point of divergence in our parenting style. Um, and that, you know, that, that can be an uneasy thing. That can be, that can be something that uh, is an area of tension. But I'm also like, it's okay. Like my daughter's going to get both sides of the story in that case. Um, and for me, in terms of my relationship, in terms of the marriage, my concern always is, or maybe maybe concern is too strong a word, but I'd always try to be sort of aware that, okay, well, points of divergence are fine. It's not like we're one mind, hive mind, hive, the beehive. You know they say that about Beyonce. Her fans are the beehive. Um, I think I've got that right. But my, my wife and I are not one mind. We're not one entity. We're individuals. We have our own ideas, our own uh, opinions as as you would wish as you would want I mean do you know those couples who go that's what we think isn't it I'm like really <laughs> that's uh, I, that, that, no, please please don't go down that road um, you know it, hang on to your your own critical thinking um, so yeah I think um, the concern or the area to be mindful of is is when points of divergence become so great that you're no you're you're never on the same sort of path or on the same page, and that's that's when you've got to watch out. Um, but yeah, so okay, so I don't know. I think that's that's probably where I want I want to leave it today. My uh, my window is closing in terms of the time I have to do the episode. But um, watch this space is all I can say. Um, yeah, I mean, my uh, I'm sure my daughter will report back at some stage. But um, and maybe, maybe my, my wife will report back as well. And I won't be consulting my mother, so there'll be no report back from her. Although I do know she is. Uh, she was certainly a fan of Some Like It Hot at some point. Um, oh, I'm sure there was something else I wanted to say. How annoying. How annoying for me. Maybe a blessing for you. There was another another salient point, but um it's it's gone. I don't know. Anyway, that's what's been going on here. Oh, that's what it is. Impact. I'm gonna bring it back to where we started. What do you allow to impact you? And I guess it's interesting for me. My wife certainly this idea of our daughter seeing images of Beyonce, which I, which and in fact I don't think our daughter has got to see that image of Beyonce yet, and seeing Marilyn Monroe, um, that clearly is something that impacts my wife at this point in her life, and that's what I'm interested in. Why is that impacting you? Where is the area of concern? What needs to be, you know, what can we, what can we look at here? What can we open up here to discuss? Um, and maybe I'll have to have that conversation and come back and say, well, this is what I found out when I actually asked my wife and didn't just podcast about it. <laughs> this is, um, yeah, this is the proxy uh, communication of the discussion with, uh, with you, the unknown audience, the one who is listening out there. So that is where we're going to round it up today. Um, the impact of stuff. Do you have to let that stuff impact you? Can you make a decision and go, do you know what? I'm okay. This doesn't have to derail me. I can make forward progress. 
and I will, and you will, and we will, because we've no choice, because that's what life is. We're moving forward. Or are we standing still in the uh, in, in the Zen sense of we're just here, and now we're here, and now we're here again? That's, that's Nietzschean. That's eternal recurrence. That's also challenging. But let's not leave it with challenging. Let's leave it with cruisy and easy and breezy. It's been nice talking. I hope it's been nice listening. You've been here for the tell. This has been The Clear Out. You can find me on social media. The Clear Out podcast is on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. The Clear Out 2 is on Twitter. You can email me at theclearoutlive at gmail.com. And if you want to support this independent podcast, this independent podcast that is the work of one, and I am that one, you can support the show using the supporter link wherever you're listening to this podcast. There should be a supporter link in the description of the episode. And you can use the supporter link to make a one-off contribution to the show, to the tell. Or if you want to become a regular contributor to this effort, you can do so using the Patreon link. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And you could choose to throw me a few bob on a regular basis to help me keep this tell on the road. So there you go. Have a think about that. If you find what I'm doing enjoyable, diverting, interesting, stimulating, thought provoking, calming, amusing, irritating maybe you want to be irritated maybe you're a masochist okay i'll leave you with that thank you so much for listening and i will be back next week with more from the clear out it's wellness with attitude in your face get well talk to you soon mind yourselves bye